on everybody i say this every once in a while but i i really mean it this time i'm very <laughs> excited to be welcoming my best friend to the show if you guys know melissa shanahan you love her she's the amazing ceo and facilitator at velocity work if you don't know her buckle up because this is going to be a great interview melissa thank you so much for being here thanks for having me it's such a privilege to be a part of the project you're working on and so yeah thank you I, I love having you as a repeat guest on this. And the, the timing of this interview is great because we're doing this live on a Thursday. Tomorrow night, my leadership team flies in. I'm staying at my parents' uh, lake house. And then this weekend, we're doing a quarterly retreat. And it reminds me of, man, a couple of years ago, I had no idea what I was doing when it was coming to these retreats. I didn't even know they were a thing. And I discovered you, you helped me design this and my business, my business wouldn't be what it is today mm. without this leadership team quarterly meeting structure. And I love that, you know, people sometimes will ask me like, Joey, I know you're friends with Melissa. What exactly does she do? Like, is she a coach? And I'm like, kind of, but not really. And they were like, can she help me with my marketing and sales? And I was like, kind of indirectly, but not really Yeah, like your real jam is that you help people plan at this bigger level. You really force mm -hmm. them to, to look up and think about the vision of their law firm, get pretty clear on what it means for the next year plus, and then get really clear in the next quarter and then help them execute the plan and honor that plan that they came up with. Mm -hmm. So you can take this wherever you want, but just to kick things off, Give us like your background of how you got introduced to this world of the importance of a leadership team and, and quarterly meetings. I was introduced to that specifically through a consulting firm that I worked for. I worked there about five years and part of that five years was in a leadership position where I managed, I trained. And part of that was me on the road, boots on the ground with clients hmm. and I was trained by my company to facilitate strategic planning retreats. And these were for private practices all across, actually it was all over. It wasn't just the United States, but mostly US and Canada. So over the course of my time there, it was over 350 practices Jeez. that I led through this thing. And there's not much you haven't seen after that. <laughs> so yeah. like you can't, like, it would be really rare for someone to throw something at me where I was like, well, shoot, I don't know what to do with that. It's like, it all starts to click and make sense. And I think I had enough hours in it that I can honestly say I experienced some level of mastery mm -hmm. over the facilitation piece. So 
that's what got me into it. It was my favorite part of what I did. I did see holes in the way that we presented it to mm. the clients and we were a pretty big company. So getting changes made, things like that wasn't easy, but you know, I was the one, so I was on a team that we were the ones that would go into these offices and it's like, something's not clicking. Like they aren't mm. getting stuff done. They have a beautiful plan, but they're not getting it done. Every time I come back at every quarter, it's like, you didn't do that. Cause why? Like what's yeah. going on? There's an opportunity. I really quickly realized it's, it's one thing to have a plan, but a plan is worth nothing mm. if you don't execute on it. Yeah. And that piece that ex so inevitably through training, I got really good at facilitating, creating strong plans towards the vision. But what I had to create and figure out was how am I going to be useful to people to help them bridge the gap between where they are right now and where they want to be? Cause it's not as simple as just handing them a plan. We're humans. So then that's where my, my interest sort of spread beyond that. And I have a coaching background even before the consulting firm or that's coaching. That's where the coaching comes in. So the facilitation is if you want a good plan, you need it like pulled out of you. I have to be able to mm. facilitate that plan. That's unique. It's like a thumbprint to each business, but then coaching comes in after that. It's like, okay, now you got a plan. Let's go. How are you going to be organized about your time? And are you going to stay accountable? To you're, you're so good at it. Were there signs in your past that like looking back made you like, oh yeah, like I was really made for this because I, I just want to say that if you're hearing this and you don't know Melissa and you're like, wait, she calls herself a facilitator. I know that that sounds soft and like not particularly powerful maybe if you haven't been exposed to it, yeah. but it really is this powerful combination of listening closely, coaching and like knowing when to push back, which you do so well. Mm. I know that that people that have worked with you, people inside some of your group programs that I'm also in, something that we love and love to hate on you <laughs> is you can read through the BS that we try and give you sometimes and you push through and you allow us to get really to the heart of what it is that we're wanting or what our excuse is for not following through on something. And I feel like law firm owners especially are, there's something about us. Sorry, this is turning into a long question. There's there's something about us though that I think because we're such overthinkers and because we're always steeped in worst case scenarios with our clients, it's really easy for us to come up with a reason not to honor a plan. Mm. To think about, oh, well, I can do it better this way or it's something's, close to being done, but it's not perfect yet. So I won't launch it. Mm -hmm. But, but mean, back, back to my question though, like, man, I'm being a really bad interviewer. What, no. <laughs> what, but, I, but I wanted to set the stage because I just think lawyers are particularly in need of your types of services. W was there something that you could kind of tell about yourself growing up that were like, oh yeah, like if I can combine all of this into facilitating yeah. That's my space. There's two, there's two things that I think, well, and even so at the company, when I really learned how to facilitate or run these meetings, like you're, you're running them, you're hosting them, you guide them through the framework, you know, what elements you have to have before you move on, like all of that framework I was taught, hmm. but I excelled at it at the company really quickly. I got and moved up and into the leadership team because I would knock it out of the park. We, we would get rated 
by the clients. They would have to fill out a survey every time after the facilitator left. And I think twice I got less than 10, which is silly. And it sounds ridiculous to say, cause like 10 is perfect and no one's perfect, but I would have team members that constantly had to have meetings about like, you're at a seven consistently. Like we got to get this up. Mm. It's never a conversation with me. And I, here's why I'm telling, this is, this goes back to your question. I know that the reason why is because maybe my only innate gift, like, I don't know how many innate gifts we get, right? My innate strongest gift from that I was just born with what is to connect with people. I can connect so quickly with someone genuinely too. And I think that the reason I can is because there's something in me that cares about truth. I have zero interest in having a conversation if I can feel that like we aren't at it. We aren't at the nugget that's like really what we're talking about. And so that weird trait of mine about just like truth seeker, but like for real, uninterested in having conversations that you can't feel that you're there then, or you're getting there plus my ability to connect, which is just like a gift. I think I was given those two things make it so that in a retreat, because I can really connect with someone, even if they are pushing back on me, I can still press them down with my thumb because we are like, we are connected in some way. Like I got you. I hear you. I see you. And what is it? Like, what, what is the thing? And so then I'll just keep going until we get to the truth. And I'm like, there. Okay. Now I I think it's because of that, like truth seeking in Mm -hmm. the connection that, that gives you a level of patience and energy that allows you to keep digging. I remember our first couple of meetings, I felt so drained by the end of it. And I could tell that you weren't even close yet. And I was like, this was a lot for me to unpack and figure out things and pull up numbers. And I just feel like you've got such, this allows you to have such a stamina for these types of conversations that really fatigues the average business owner and law firm owner. Yeah. Maybe that is why. Well, and honestly, I've had a lot of practice at a Mm. lot of long meetings leading them. (laughs) So like, maybe that's just partially because I'm used to it, but there probably is some truth to it's work that energizes me. And so everybody's got a limit. Right. But I, but it, it doesn't drain me. It is the joy of my life is facilitating Mm. meetings and then helping people stay accountable. It's, I will never, Mm. never do anything different than this work. I'm not supposed to. I know that. Like I I am in my zone of genius when I am facilitating and when I am coaching afterwards for mm. accountability and like support and making sure that they stay the course because there's all kinds of stuff that comes up after when you're supposed to be executing. But I don't know what my life looks like 25 years from now, but I'm certain I will be doing a version of this, whether it's mm. this business or not. I don't know. Yeah. But Well, for those of you who are watching this live or on the replay, just to validate this point, drop a one if you can relate to being like fatigued or drained Hmm. by having these conversations either with your team or with yourself about like vision casting and really diligently planning for where you want to go. I know that Melissa's got this signature method to the way that she works with her clients. And the first part of that method is aim and figuring out where you want to go. And 
what I know from working with you, Melissa, is that, yeah, it's important to figure out that projection and figure out your goals for the year or the quarter. But what's really hard, and I didn't really know that I was signing up for this when I was working with you, was figuring out the truth of where you currently are. Mm. And I remember how, you know, part of the reason why our first meetings took longer than expected is because I didn't have all of the data ready and pretty for us to identify so that we could project. Is that a pretty common problem oh, that you see totally. at the initial stage? Totally common. Even the most organized of people, there's still some things they have to finagle to get because I need certain numbers to calculate certain things. So, yeah. and a lot of times software doesn't calculate that stuff correctly because mm. for a lot of different reasons, right? I, and we could totally go into it, but numbers are truth. I call clients tracking portals, the source of truth. That's exactly mm. what it is. So numbers are, are truth and they tell a story and they help guide with decision-making and you just have none of that ability. Like it's, it's almost like, uh, it's necessary. It's just necessary in order to move forward in, in the best way possible for you and for the firm. And that looks different for everybody, but you can't make decisions unless you can see the truth of exactly where you are in many different facets within the firm, just from a numbers perspective. Yeah. I know that I've asked you this before, but I'll ask you it again, just because people tend to ask me this, this question a lot of, you know, when you think about aiming and where, once you start to get more clarity where you're at now, mm. give me your perspective on goal setting. And I know that, like I said, you and I have talked about this quite a bit, but there are people who are in the camp of like, shoot for the moon and you'll aim among the stars when it comes to goal setting. Then there are others that are be as realistic as possible and, mm -hmm. you know, so that you make sure that you're meeting it. What, what's your like philosophy? Cause you can mm -hmm. probably find a best-selling business author, like on all ends of the mm -hmm. spectrum on this yeah. question, but where do you fall? I believe wholeheartedly in shooting for the moon. Think beyond your wildest imagination. Not everybody wants to, and it's not my job to get them to want to. Like mm -hmm. my job isn't to place desire. So I have Ooh. to read where the person is because so I mean, it depends. Like just thinking of the retreats we just had, it's like a blend of personalities, right? So there are some people who are like, we are going for it. We are like, just like you can feel it. It's in their gut and you can just feel the fire coming out of them. Like, sweet, let's go. Like, we can make a plan to do that. But there's some people who have more trepidation around it. And there's still a lot of progress can be made there. So there's two camps, even with the people I see. But no matter who I work with, what's extremely important is that they have buy-in and that they can see their way to the shorter term goal, right? Longer term, you know, what's the quote that, I think a few people have said in the past, but like people greatly underestimate what they can get done in a decade, but they highly overestimate what they can get done in a week. Mm -hmm. Like that's true. So I think that like they underestimate what's possible really if they like 
keep focused and stay with it, they will blow their own mind over the years and maybe even shorter. Right. But I think shooting for the moon is fantastic. Like having this vision of like, that is what I want to create. That mm. is the number I want to hit. These are the people I want to serve. Like something like a grander vision that makes sense to that owner. But then, all right, let's go there. Then we got to get our head out of the clouds. And then we have to start reverse engineering and figuring out like, we may not know what year over year it's going to look like for the next 10 years, mm -hmm. but let's start to think backwards. Like what milestones are going to need to be hit by, you know, five years out. And then what does that mean for four years and three years and just sort of high level? Well, we're probably going to need at that point, you know, if we want to do that revenue, we're going to need probably between three and four associates and which means we're going to need support staff for those associates. So then you can start to sort of start to take shape and then, okay, backing up really the only goals that I care about that they are putting a stake in the ground is the year goal, the annual goals. Mm -hmm. You will get to your vision. It's not like people want to know exactly how they're going to get there. It doesn't matter if you try to plan that out. It's all going to, you're going to trash it after <sighs> a year in because like sure. everything has changed. So the year goals is to me, that has to feel like a stretch, like butterflies in your belly, but like, we can do this. I don't, I don't exactly know the path, but we can do this. Yeah. There has to be belief in the goal. And some people have a greater capacity for believing in a goal, even though it's like, whoa, what? Some people do not have that capacity and they have to believe in the goal. So if I have to back them down, it's still a stretch, but if I have to back them down, I can, I can feel it when they're like, like you could just, they'll take a breath and it's like, it hit, it just pinged them where it's like, there is an excitement, there's butterflies, there's anxiety, there's nerves. There's like yeah. a very specific vibe that they give off when they buy into the goal. And like I said, some people have greater capacity for like a bigger stretch. They're like, yeah. And some people, they don't, it's, they don't buy it yet. They will yeah. over time, they'll prove it to themselves and then they'll be able to have greater and greater capacity to believe in something that they can't see yet. But yeah, it's so I don't know if I'm answering your question. I think annual goals are extremely valuable and you have to buy into it and you yeah. have to stretch yourself. Like you can't just, it can't be like a $10,000 increase. No, like it has to be something substantial that feels like, Man, we would have to really, some things would have to change in order to, to get to this, but yeah. it would all be good. Like it would all, it would force function a lot of really great change. And everybody wins if we hit this goal. Mm. Everybody, literally. There's like seven groups of people that win. Yeah. <laughs> Team, the owner, the clients, the community, the, like, if you hit your goals, it's not just you winning. It's not greed. If you hit your goals, you have a ripple effect in your outer world that is crazy. So stop so playing small. <laughs> That's so, and that was, that was one of my biggest aha moments on what I think was our, our first leadership team annual retreat with you was I had to get over this idea. I think I remember we were in this room and we were putting all of these amazing ideas on this, like 10 year or three year vision or something for the firm. And we had all of these crazy ideas, like a food truck that was like an indie law legal truck that would drive around Chicago. And oh, I didn't even remember that. Out. That's so funny. And then you were like, okay, Joey, what's the revenue goal to make this possible? 
And I was like, well, I think if the business made 150 K a year mm -hmm. and I took home half of that through profit first, like I'd be good. And you were like, Joey, that's great, but we can't do any of this stuff on the board <laughs> a year. <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm seeing again, because lawyers are so had become so risk averse and because mm. in a lot of ways we get paid to think in worst case scenarios, there's this idea of us being smart in business Mm. by giving credit to our fears mm -hmm. and then we play small. Yeah. But you know, this makes me think of John Fisher. I talked about this on the podcast. John Fisher wrote a post a couple months ago. It was so beautiful. Like I had tears in my eyes when I was reading it about, it was like him and his son walking around Charleston and his mm. son said something about that architecture firm seems really cool. And John was like, let's go in. And his oh. son was like totally mortified. And he was like, no, we're going in. So they went in and asked to meet the owner. Somehow they got connected with the owner. The owner gave him a tour, sat down, talked to him. That was like several years ago, maybe 15, 16 years ago, I think. I can't remember for sure. Maybe less than that. But sorry, John, I'm botching the story. But the point <laughs> is that they became really close friends, that owner. And it just opened up doors in a world that has been so meaningful for John and his son. Yeah. And... The writ and his son was like afraid to go in, right? And so if you listen to that, the sentence at the end is what brought tears to my eyes. When John said, people think that, oh gosh, I really wish I could find this. I'm just going to botch it. But the, the sentiment was people think that by not doing the thing that scares them, they're avoiding risk. Hmm. But the truth is like that by not pushing through the fear and taking that opportunity is the risk like of losing out on something yeah. so amazing and beautiful. Just go look for that post. I can send it to you, Joey, if that's helpful and you can put it in notes. Yeah, but... I, I will okay. do that. I would love that. I can look that up. Okay. And, and I'll tag it's... John so he sees this too. Cause yeah, I remember that post. And okay. Yeah. It's... yeah. it's stuck with me. Yeah. I, I have thought about I've thought about it so much since then. And it kind of goes along with this idea that I heard a coach once say a soccer coach, one football coach once say on a documentary, he said, we weren't making chances. And I thought he, I thought he meant taking chances. It was just like a language barrier, mm -hmm. Scottish, like maybe that's their way of saying taking chances. But then you realize, no, he meant that they weren't making chances. They weren't creating opportunities for them to take a chance. And that was his beef with the team was they weren't making chances. And I was like, Talk about truth bomb. Like, mm. I don't know. You have to create opportunities for yourself. And if you aren't going to create an opportunity for yourself, then you can't take chances. But you have to make the chance in order to take the chance, I guess, mm. is what I'm saying. And I, love that. I think about that with goals. You're not making any chances for yourself. Like, you're not creating the opportunity to excel, mm. to reach for that next rung on the ladder. And knowing that it's not about the next rung, it's about the stretch. Like, in my opinion, that is where life is meant to be lived. Anyway, goals are important is my <laughs> No, I, I love that. And I don't know if I shared this with you yet, Melissa, but one of my takeaways from the Maximum Lawyer Conference that we were both at mm -hmm. uh, in terms of a, of a 
something that I wanted to do after the conference in, in, as a, you know, a law firm that was taking up more space and taking and making more chances was mm. to create uh, a trust and estates mm. part of our law firm, mm. which in a lot of ways scares the pants off of some of my team and myself in terms of what that means for the firm. But when I told my team that, everybody's face lit up and they were like, wait, we can actually do that? Like if there's a way for us to help, you know, even some of our past clients mm. in this newer way, like that's really exciting. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's not gonna be like super easy to get started, but it reminds me of what we talked about before we went live of like asking how can I create even more value? Yeah. Yeah. I was telling Joey before we went live, I just heard an interview that, or not an interview, but it was an audiobook that was being read that's not available to the public because it never got published. <laughs> it's really hard to explain. But anyway, in this, this reading, she was talking about that, you know, money is an exchange of value and, or for value. And many of you listening to this and plus myself are really familiar with this idea that value creation is important. If you like, you want to make more money, you have to create more value in the world. That's, I believe that wholeheartedly, but she said, if you want to make money, you have to create value. But she said, if you want extraordinary success, you have to create extraordinary value. And that punk pinged me really hard because that's a high quality question to sit down and ask yourself, how can you provide like, what are the ways I can provide extraordinary value to clients? I've never asked myself that question in that way before. And I bet if I did, which I'm going to, I'm going to sit down and ideas will come that never would have come had I not asked that question about extraordinary value. I think all of us, whether you're an employee somewhere or whether I know law firm owners are watching this, but that goes for everyone on this planet. Asking yourself that question, that's a high quality question to ask yourself no matter who you are or what you're doing. And as an entrepreneur, that's powerful. So it, it sounds like that's what you're saying. You, you feel like that's what you did. Maybe you didn't have that question to ask yourself at yeah. the moment, but that was, and th that was you exercising that. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. There's, I just think that as business owners and I think lawyers, especially we're used to this question of like, how do I continue to grow this firm the way it looks now? And how do I either like get more clear on who my niche is or sell more of this particular offer? And like all of that is good. Like mm -hmm. I, I want to be clear, Melissa helped me a lot in clarifying and prioritizing which one of our legal services years ago to pick and prioritize and like mm -hmm. cut the rest. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, looking beyond that and saying, okay, well, what other gifts do I have or do, does my team have that can, yeah, really create extraordinary value. Mm -hmm. And part of creating extraordinary value, I think, is recognizing that there is a risk there because you're solving even bigger pain points. Mm. And it might be harder. Risk? Well, it might be harder to fulfill and deliver and be good on your promise yeah. to deliver that extraordinary value every time yeah. in comparison to a lower value that you've got that assembly line, that machine of your business providing.
But on the flip side, if yeah. you were to argue that the risk is actually, if you don't do it, totally, you could, you could totally. easily come up with that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And okay. Let's, let's go back to the whole, the, the good timing of this episode with my team's annual retreat coming up. Hmm. I, I know that there are a lot of lawyers who might be listening to this live or on the replay and thinking like, this all sounds great, Joey, but you've got a leadership team in place. I don't have that yet. Melissa, what advice would you give to lawyers and firm owners who are uh, liking this idea of quarterly or yearly planning, but don't have a team yet? It doesn't matter if you have a team or not. Planning is a part of owning a business at the risk of sounding like I could feel myself trying to imagine like what people might be thinking and trying mm -hmm. to tune into that. I'm just going to like cut all that out and stop not use disclaimers, even though this is a disclaimer. Planning is a part of it. If you want to be a good business owner, you have to get your mind organized around what you're doing because otherwise you will waste time or time will pass. You will not hit your results that you're wanting to hit for yourself in the time frame that it would have been possible had you been focused and had you been organized about what you were actually shooting for so that you can line up your action, which line up your time, how you're spending your time towards creating those results and planning. It doesn't matter if you have a leadership team, actually mastery group, most people actually majority, there's probably like you and one or two other people in mastery group, which is about 30 some members now. Yeah. that have leadership teams. Everybody else doesn't. They come to the retreat facilitation and we go through their workbooks and they make their plans. They have to get their rocks, their goals and their rocks down. So it doesn't matter. Maybe that is a justification on why they haven't done it yet. I think another really easy justification is like, who has time for that? Like, that sounds great, but how am I going to make the time for that? In short, they're all still excuses and justifications. And well, let me put a few plugs here, though, okay. because I, I wanna I wanna make sure I do this as loudly as I can uh, for this episode. One of the amazing things about Mastery Group that Melissa and her company Velocity Work runs is it allows people who might not be at a point yet where they have a leadership team and can hire someone directly to do this stuff one on one with them, where you can work with Melissa and she can guide you through this. It is possible, but very, very difficult mm -hmm. to self-discipline your way through annual, quarterly, monthly, weekly planning mm -hmm. without any type of trained accountability around you. And I don't mean yeah. accountability buddy where you like text each other, what did you do this week? But like having someone to say like, pushing you when you didn't do it, asking you why there are gaps or when there are kind of fluffy responses. I guess the way that I want to say this is investing in a program like Mastery Group, mm -hmm. in my experience, has had way more ROI mm -hmm. than a program that was more like, positioned itself more as a, like a, invest in this program and we'll show you how to do X, Y, Z. Like we'll mm -hmm. give you the keys to hiring a team or growing your business or whatever. When you invest in mastery group, it's not like a, here are 10 videos you can watch mm -hmm. that are each an hour long and you'll learn X, Y, Z and your business will improve. It, 
it is something that you have to work through live. Mm-hmm. But that, in my experience, is where the, the most growth comes because you have to, it's a program that still respects that you as the business owner have the answers. Mm. Yeah. That to me is truth. Not that I can't offer advice or like one another you can offer or share insights, but people don't trust themselves and they don't give themselves enough credit for like the answer is in there. Yeah. It is. But most of the time it's covered up because you haven't really planned strong. So it's things aren't obvious. If you have a goal and you're working backwards, then it's time to figure out, okay, what are the priorities that have to happen or else we're not going to hit this? The priorities become very clear. Although there's a hundred things to do in the business that could improve mm-hmm. it, the priorities become very clear because you've lined yourself up with something really specific. And I think a lot of times because people aren't organized, like mentally they're disorganized. And so it's very difficult to pinpoint and they don't trust themselves to pick the what they should focus on first, second, third. They, they just know it all needs to be done. Yeah. And the more organized you can get mentally and clearer, I guess, the more clarity you have around what you're planning on doing this year and how you're going to get there to the best of your ability it just makes it all very obvious. And that's why I think people don't think they have their answers, but they do. And facilitation Mm -hmm. is really helpful because when someone can facilitate well, it all becomes clear to the owner. It's not like me saying, you need to focus on this first. I can't know what's best for you, even if it was coming from a place of love. That's ignorance. I think they do have their own answers. And on that topic of like coming up with your own answers in this, aiming and planning stage there's something that you taught me that sounded so backwards when you first said it but it's been so helpful this framework that you walk your clients and your students through of coming up with ops once you've identified the goals Mm -hmm. coming up with the obstacles Mm -hmm. a lot of people will then come up with strategies Mm -hmm. to overcome the obstacles and you Mm -hmm handle that differently. Can you speak to that? Cause I thought this was so powerful. When you come up with the, it's like, you're looking at your goals and it's like, what are all the barriers to getting there? What are, and, and usually there's several. And so listing all those out, most people will say, let's just say, you know, one of the barriers, one example I give often in this situation is if one of the barriers is X team member is not going to be on board. Like it's going to be dragging feet. It's going to be hard. So typically they'll try to come up with solutions to fix that person or like their perspective or their, and instead, if you ask like, okay, if you could wave a magic wand and that just wasn't a barrier anymore, let's just pretend that let's just say Susan, Susan was on board. What would that be like? Then thinking through that is like, okay, well that would be like, she would be motivated. She'd be one step ahead of us. There'd be better morale that she would be more cheerful with clients. And that means better retention, better, like it just kind of unfolds where if that wasn't a barrier anymore, you can see the writing on the wall of how amazing that would be for effort. So then your, your job is not to come up with solutions to fix the barrier. Your job is to come up with solutions to provide the payoff like that, so good. that bigger reward. Um, I, I just, I love this 
so much of coming up with a strategy to achieve the payoff, not to avoid mm -hmm. the barrier. Yeah. And the strategies look different for everyone, right? So like for some firms, one strategy could be to entertain, could be to incentivize individuals in their own way to get to where everybody's trying to go here. That can be something to look at. One is to celebrate more in your office so that morale naturally goes up and people want to take part in what you're doing. And by celebrate, I don't mean you have to spend a bunch of money. Mm -hmm. I mean, just Good acknowledging point. the wins and the milestones. And there's so many things you can do to provide this thing that you see people being cheerful with the clients and morale being boosted and a smile on team's face or just a good attitude on the team. Your job is to foster that, not mm. to try to fix Susie. I think it's helpful. It's a good exercise for anyone, no matter what level you are, because our brains will default into like, how do we fix the problem? But it's more, what are solutions to create the desired outcome? That's so good. And a related topic, and this, this might be the last, the client of questions for us is if we shift from thinking about, okay, how do we solve, how do we better solve problems by thinking about like the positive future of that and then playing towards it? There's also this kind of more mega issue that we talked about before we went live of the clearer you get about what your future looks like and your ideal future and your vision, the more you have these clear goals, the easier it can feel like you're not there yet. I still think it's like a quote attributable to you of like, it's not about hitting that next rung on the ladder. It's about the reach. Like I think about you all the time, whenever mm. I like say that to myself, how can we effectively and like in a healthy way, stay forward focused and also stay in a place of like, gratitude from our accomplishments and where we've been and be proud of the reach that we're doing, knowing that we're, we're not where we want to be yet. First of all, I just want to say, I actually, when this topic comes up, I credit you for saying, I don't know who said it first, but I've heard you say it more than anybody else. The secret for you has been to learn to be committed to the goal, not attached to the goal. Mm. That sums it up really well, I think. I think when we're attached to the goal, we have really asking yourself, like, it's not going to matter if you are 30K off from the goal you set or 100K. I don't know. It depends. It's not going to matter. What matters is what you had to become and in the firm and for you, what you had to become in order to get to strive for it. Because in the striving of it is the development that keeps allowing you to reach higher. Yeah. So to me, I think setting a goal, it's super common, but I want people to really hear and to understand. And this is part of the work that I do because it feels so important to do it is that people, they can't attach their self-worth or their meat. Like what meaning are you placing on that goal? Why yeah. set a goal? Right. To me, I think that, and I've learned this the hard way for sure. I, I was accused one time of thinking that there is better than here. Mm. And intellectually, I was like, no, 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 no. I don't believe that. <laughs> but then really when, 
all my actions were just oozing that that's what I believed because mm. I was in such a hurry to get to a goal. And I think I've learned over time that the most successful people understand that the most important thing is developing and improving and learning and the meatiness of living it, like yeah. really doing it. That's the important thing. And that's where the emphasis should be placed is the pride that you have and the gratitude that you have for like, wow, like we have really grown. We have really like our processes now around X, Y, and Z are so good. And they weren't before, like we are really doing yeah. well, like acknowledging the growth and the development and the tiny things that have to happen in order for you to realize the goal in order for you to provide the kind of value that you need to provide in order to hit your goal. So to me, I think number one, you have to be a little lighthearted. Like don't take yourself so seriously yeah. when going to the goal. Cause who gives a crap? I almost cussed, but who cares? Right? Yeah. Like, it's not going to make your life to hit a goal. And if you think that mm. you can either hear me when I say you're wrong or you can learn it the hard way. <laughs> and sometimes we have to learn it the hard way, but goals don't change anything. When you hit a goal, right? When you're about to cross that threshold, it doesn't feel like, Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm so excited. It feels like, well, of course it's almost the obvious, like, yep. Yeah. Like, so I think, making sure that you don't have too much emphasis on it's not do or die about the goal. The reason you set a goal is to force function development and growth in all the good, great ways and focus on that. And I know I'm going on and on, but the last thing I'll say is that's why in planning, it's so important when you're doing strategic planning is to focus on, yes, when you're planning, decide what you are aiming for, put, a stake in the ground and say, that's what we're doing. And then after planning, your job is to put your head down, mm. work, do it, create, collaborate, do, do all the things that are necessary that you said, these are my rocks. These are my priorities, whatever. Do that. Focus on that. Do not lift your head in the middle of the quarter and be like, I think I picked the wrong goal. I don't know. It's too big. I don't know if they have prioritized. Which, which you, like, no. I know that you kind of like jokingly poke at, like that is a real struggle to like not do it's very easy for everyone it was for me <laughs> yes, to be too. like oh this isn't very fun anymore let me try something else i do want to highlight what chris said here because oh goals always, measure progress goals don't validate the journey yeah so yes well said, chris hi chris <laughs> hi. yeah goals measure progress they don't validate the journey that's yeah exactly it's just a benchmark it's just yeah. a way to check in and Measure your part. He's yeah. The way he said it was perfect. Well, so. and a, a quick story on this, just to hammer at home. Indie law through most of this year has had this campaign of the Indie 500 of when we hit 500 trademarks. And last week we hit the big milestone, which was great. So, and it was, it was awesome. Congratulations. To well, thank you. I say that because over Thanksgiving break, my family who only knows what I do because they're on Facebook they were like, oh, Joey, the 500 thing, like, good job. Like, that you must feel really great. And I've, I worked a lot on like my relationship with my goals. It's, it's definitely been a struggle for me over the years. But it was interesting because like I've been really clear with my team about 
this goal of the Indy 500. And I was like, guys, like, yes, we're going to celebrate when we hit it, Mm. but it's not going to like totally transform a business, like our business from like a failure to a success overnight. Like nothing, it doesn't necessarily mean anything after we hit this. And it was, it was interesting to be congratulated by a group of people who like love me, but I couldn't really explain like, well, thank you. But like, doesn't mean anything. This, Thanks, it, but it doesn't this, really mean this hasn't really been like fulfilling part as much as like yes. past like four and five months of yes. working with my team and cheerleading yes. this effort and having people go from knowing, liking and trusting inside this and becoming a really great, you know, supporter of the firm. I mean, that's, that's proof in the pudding, all the work that you did to really push at this milestone, this goal, right. Yeah. Is the win. Yeah. It's all in the bank. If you're from where I'm from, you see the hay is in the barn. I like, it's all there where now you have that foundation to stand and be able to reach for the next thing. It's not the number yeah. that gives you the foundation. It's, it is all the work that you did and how meaningful that is because of the foundation that you're setting and creating and the increase in value that you're providing innately right through that work. So that's such a great, great example. I'm so glad you just said that because that's a perfect example. I mean, your original question was about the gap versus the game, which will you say where you heard that from? Cause I yeah. told me to, and I thought it was great. So that was uh Dan Sullivan. He had a couple podcast episodes on it and then his new book is all about it. And yeah, it's, it's one of those books. That's a great, easy read and not to knock Dan Sullivan. I would never do that, but it's, it's one of those instances where it's like, a, it's a powerful idea hmm. kind of retold a dozen times in the book in different ways. Yeah. Um, and so you can kind of have all of these aha moments around this bigger idea, yeah. which was the same with one of his other books. And I, I, I like doing that because I know you and I both like leaning in to an idea and like mm-hmm. getting different types of lessons learned from it. And I was in the middle of one of Melissa's sprint months where mm-hmm. every day I was really having like focused action on this one result that I wanted for the month. And I was reading this book while I was doing it. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the, the lessons that I learned every day kind of came from that idea of mm. the gap in the gain being top of mind. And mm. the gap in the gain is this idea that as human beings, we are always kind of pre-programmed to be thinking in terms of the gap of how we're not where we want to be yet or comparing Mm -hmm. ourselves to others or thinking about the things that we don't have and wishing that we had them, which is especially uh, top of mind in like shopping season right now. (laughs) Well, and how it it takes effort to bring yourself into more of the gain. And he introduces the topic by saying that this whole idea of the gap in the gain was coined because he was in a room full of strategic coach entrepreneurs Hmm. who all have to, they have to hit some pretty big milestones to even be allowed into the room. Mm -hmm. And he asked, you know, who in here would call yourself a successful entrepreneur and no hands went up. Hmm. And one entrepreneur in particular just went on and on about 
how they weren't where they wanted to be and how they weren't successful. Mm. And he said, you're so focused on the gap that you've lost all of the focus on your gain Mm. and how things have been getting better. That also, it's exactly what Brooke said to me about, you think there is better than here. Mm. I was like, no, I don't. (laughs) And then you start realizing that's the way you're acting. Like your actions in your feeling state says it all. If you're in a hurry, yeah, you're focusing on the wrong thing. Mm. Yeah, if you're impatient about getting there, that's a sign. That's a really big sign that you're focusing on the where you aren't yet. And there's some meaning that you're placing on that where instead you are not taking stock of where you are right now and how amazing it is that you've created what you've created right now. Like looking back at all the things that you've, overcome and built and created. And I think it's really important on the journey to not lose sight of the wins, the wins. Yes. Milestones are wins. Those are targets that are reached, but the success, the deeper success, like that's fleeting. Mm -hmm. The deeper success is being taking pride in the work that you're doing to hit the milestones that's the meat. If you can, if you stay there, you will be wildly successful beyond your dreams. And mm. you won't be looking at the milestones. You won't be wishing. It almost feels like somebody digging a tunnel, right? You want to get from here to there. You have to do the work to get from here to there. Yeah. But if you stop and you're like, I'm not doing it fast enough. And you just like all of a sudden unsustainably working and ungrateful and pissed the whole way there. When you get there, you can't even celebrate it. You've had a bad attitude the whole way. Yeah, bad attitude the whole way. Instead, put your head down and have a pace and shovel. Do your work. Do your work to get there. And there will be a time, and it should be at the turn of the quarter, I believe, to look up in in terms of milestone checking, to Mm -hmm. look up and be like, oh, wow, this is amazing. And even if you didn't hit your milestone, oh, wow, this is amazing. Look at that tunnel we just built. Yeah. Damn. Now let's let's go again. Where are we going next? And I just want to highlight that there are leaders in the legal space like Melissa, like are looking for high achievers, you know, excited about people who are dreaming big. And at the same time, who aren't looking for a particular type of finish line for a firm owner to be at to call them a success. Mm. like part of liking the here more than the there is, you know, not having an attitude like a law firm owner needs to be at a certain level for their firm, for them to be like taken seriously or for you to learn something from them. I was talking earlier this week with Craig Coldenfarb, who's Mm. the nicest people on the Mm -hmm. planet. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Craig, just be real with me. Like you've gotten so far with your business, your leaps and bounds ahead of most firm owners. I'm used to kind of walking into masterminds where people bring in pretty heavy problems. I asked him like, do you feel like a temptation to like artificially create a type of heaviness just to kind of be in the room with those people? Hmm. And he was like, well, no, but you know, as, as great as the firm is, and I could tell he was being so genuine when he said this, he was like, One of my favorite things that I really get out of going to masterminds is I always will meet 
younger attorneys, even ones who are just starting out, who spend way more time with their family than I am. Mm. And seeing that, you know, that I can learn things from them mm. to, you know, have more of that work-life integration is something that is is huge for me. And so mm. it, it, it's interesting for me that this idea of what attorneys are ahead of you and how can look very different. Mm -hmm. And this isn't just, when we're talking about the gap in the game and we're talking about goals, this isn't just about a race to the mm -hmm. most money or the biggest team or whatever. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. The only reason I have people pick goals is so that they're focused, like they have real work to do that's important and it, the priorities sort of surface. The only way you can get there with people in a meaningful way is to have a milestone and line up action towards it. I can't be a coach for someone who doesn't know where they're going. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Like when we first started the sprint as a beta, it was just show up every day and say the one thing you're going to do this day. Mm. But people were all over the map. And yeah. I was like, well, this isn't working. Like this isn't helpful because I'm holding them accountable to do their one thing, but sometimes it's clean their e in inbox. It's not all moving in one direction. No, they're all over the place. And so I could see the writing on the wall. It was like, you know, a week in, I was like, I am not doing this because I will not be helpful. Feels good. Feels good to get your check mark, yeah. but you're not going anywhere. And so I think that's the only reason I care so deeply about goals for people is that it lines you up. Yeah. It focuses your action and, you know, from quarter to quarter, you get to decide how that looks and how that, like what kind of plan you're setting. It's only three months. Stick with it. <laughs> Melissa, you're, we could talk forever. I know. Um, thank you. Thank you so, so much for your time. Uh, I you. know that I unfortunately have to run, but for everybody who, if they don't already know you, if they want to learn more about Velocity Work, your podcast, what's the best place for them to go? Your website? Our website, velocitywork.com. The podcast is a really great way to get to know how mm. we think and operate. So that's a great place to go. The Velocity Work podcast is anywhere you like podcasts and you can see it on our website. But the only way we're really working with people now is through Mastery Group as an entry point. Love and that. I get to build relationships and sort of help people in different ways from there. But that's velocitywork.com slash join. And our prices are raising in 2022. So it's a good time. If people are interested, it's a good time. People can get, get, get inside of it now. The mm -hmm. doors are open. Okay. Yep. So yeah, they've always been open in the past. We're probably going to change that just to make onboarding smoother in 2022. Mm -hmm. But sure. they're open now. And the price is what it is right now. And that won't be true uh, next year. So, so yeah, it's a good time to get in and get going. Prep for 2022. We'll, we'll make sure that we put all that information around this video or on the podcast. Melissa, you're the absolute best. Thank you again. Everybody, uh, say thank you in the comments if you're watching this live or on the replay. And make sure to connect with Melissa if you are not already. Mm. All right. Bye, everybody. See you next week. All right. That'll do it for this week's episode of the Business Growth Advantage with me, Joey C. Vitale. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see y'all next week. Learn the